0: A very happy new year to all of you who've tuned in. This is episode number three on the Newsletter Not Show with me, Aksha Sanjumali. Joining us today on the show is somebody who runs not just one, but two newsletters of completely varied interests. Sairam Krishnan, who runs the CMO Journal and the East Coast Road, is going to be on the show today. I'm sure it's going to be an incredible episode and I'm very excited for you to check it out. So if you're all set, let's dive right in. First things first, mountains or beaches? Mountains. Big cities or small towns?
1: Small towns, I am from one.
0: Mm -hmm. The CMO Journal or East Coast Road?
1: East Coast Road, definitely.
0: Okay, that's a valid pick and with that we started episode number 3 on the Newsletter Nerd Show. Thank you so much Sairam for joining me on today's episode.
1: Thanks Akshya for having me.
0: Oh, that's my pleasure. Thank you so much. So, like I mentioned, you run two newsletters and they're of completely varied interest, right? One is about marketing and the other is about traveling. And since you've picked the East Coast Road, we'll begin with that. So, what is the story behind East Coast Road? I know there's a story even behind the name. So, I'll let you take it forward somewhere, Faram.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I write two newsletters, definitely. But only one is constructed as like a newsletter, which is the marketing newsletter that we are all um, you know, part of and we read. I mean, the community comes from there. But East Coast Road is more of a personal space. I write it because I, I need my own corner of the internet sometimes to like write stuff unrelated to work itself. And East Coast Road is actually the highway between Chennai and Pondicherry. It actually extends beyond that, but that that's what we call the East Coast Road. It is National Highway 45A. I worked in Chennai for most of my life and my career's start came from there. That's very important to me, that road, because I used to like traverse back and forth on weekends and so my idea of like travel and reading and writing involves a lot of thinking about place and I used to do a lot of the thinking on the buses and on the bike rides and on the car rides between these two places so that's where East Coast Road is the name that I gave my newsletter. Mm
0: Right. And when did you decide you want to launch this newsletter? I mean, which started first? Was it the CMO Journal or was it East Coast
1: Road? Actually, it was East Coast Road because, again, I wanted to find a space to write, which gave me enough freedom to sort of indulge in my own sort of ideas and whatever I was thinking about at that particular time. But when I started writing this, I realized that, you know, the newsletter platform itself was a great way for me to write about other stuff. And uh, because I was enjoying writing that on that platform, I then came to uh, writing about marketing as a newsletter as well. Mm -hmm.
0: So would you say that writing, marketing and traveling have influenced each
1: other? They always do, right? Nothing that you do in life doesn't influence the other, right? Who you are is what comes out in your work. My first boss, my mentor, my guru, Girish, used to sort of say this, that there is no real, there's no such thing as work-life balance, right? It's just like, You figure out how they can work together, how you can make them both work together. That's it. There's no such thing as balance because they all feed into each other. And that's my marketing is also a derivative of how I think about life. And so life is also a way of about how I think about reading and writing. So I don't, I don't think there are differences in them. If you perhaps talk to me about fiction, maybe, right? Or writing about books, maybe, right? You'll probably find the same threads as what I tell you when we talk about marketing.
0: yeah, I think that is pretty evident how you weave these stories together. So, that's a beautiful answer. And talking more about the East Coast Road, Sairam, who would you say is the ideal audience, the ideal reader? Or is it for everybody?
1: Right. I, I, I had this conversation with another one of my friends some time ago. And he was talking to me about, you know, why would somebody want to read something written by you, right? When I say you, I mean me specifically. Or him, because he was also like constructing something at that time. So for example, if somebody wants to read my stuff on marketing, it's because I have a body of work that tells people that, hey, this person knows something and maybe has something to say that's relevant and uh, important to me. So I could read it. However, when you write something that is a little bit creative, that is more personal, that is more about, that is more subjective perhaps, right? It's not specifically for anybody. It's for anybody who thinks, hey, this is an interesting mind. And this is a good place to engage with it, right? For example, I now have arrived at a very clear positioning for the CMO journal that it's for the trying, thinking marketer. I wrote about that a couple of times. I wrote that specific thing a couple of times that it's for the trying, thinking marketer. But East Coast Road is for someone who wants to follow me, right? It's for someone who says, hey, this person is interesting. He has a couple of interesting ideas. This thing that he wrote is cool. I want to read more stuff by him. So, I mean, that's the demarcation.
0: Mm-hmm. Right, right. All right. So there are a lot of people, I would say including myself, who want to put their creative stuff out there, who want to bring out their personal side and display but there are a lot of inhibitions that they have. So did you have any such inhibitions when you started East Coast Store, And if you did, how did you overcome them? may
1: okay, I may disappoint you with the answer, but I do not. Like you know I've always thought of myself as a writer, something that one of my friends used to get like really surprised about. In the sense that the confidence that I always had, even when I was in college, I would write stuff and I would put it out there and, you know, it would be very bad, but I would still have the ability and the confidence to put it out there. And I, I don't think that is something that I have ever thought about. See, I think of myself as a writer and that may be right or wrong, but, you know, that's how the perception of myself is. And I just go along with it. So I, 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 do, I don't have that uh, problem. mm
0: mm-hmm. Amazing, amazing. All right, let's talk a little bit about the CMO journal now, Sairam. So you've mentioned that it's for the trying, thinking marketer. So do you want to elaborate further on the concept of the CMO journal? CMO itself stands for something, if I'm
1: right. Right, right. So, I mean, I have led like marketing teams at a couple of places, you know, at uh, one of India's important bootstrap companies called uh, Wingify and uh, the company called iMoka. So I've led two marketing teams and uh, in between I've led like two product marketing teams, a branding team and content team, right? But more or less, if you want to see like proper leadership, this was actually just two teams. And when I was thinking about that, I realized that a lot of the people who were in my teams did not have access to the kind of stuff that Silicon Valley marketers have, you know, people starting out in their careers have and so on. And I realized that, you know, the space is also different. Like India's marketing is slightly different the way that we think about marketing. The way that we can execute stuff from here is different. And there are a lot of ideas that only we know. And there wasn't a lot of written stuff that, you know, young marketers could look at. That was my intention, right? So a lot of my early writing on the CMO journal uh, was actually meant like younger marketers. It was actually meant for people who are just starting out and were figuring out problems like, Hey, I'm bored. What do I do next? You know, Hey, this project is boring me. Uh, Or, hey, I'm looking for a new role. What should I think about? However, I realized that, you know, founders were also like having these problems. And, you know, there were other marketers who had, you know, careers as long as mine who were also thinking about the same things. So then my audience sort of changed and I kept on writing and I realized that, you know, whatever I was writing was working because almost everybody was enjoying it and learning from it because I, I, I get feedback from them. So that's what it became. The CMO stands for Chai Marketing and Other Things. I mean, it's just something that we came up with. I mean, I love tea and I don't mean like tea-tea, I mean chai. I love chai and so that was what I usually do drink when I'm working, so.
0: mean mm. And for all of you who are listening, if you didn't know what chai was, it is the Indian equivalent of kappa or tea. So, thank you so much. That's an interesting story for a name. And you mentioned we came up with it. So, who is this we? How did you decide on this? Right.
1: Thing? So, there's a friend of mine called Sajish. Uh, he's at Moengage. Uh, Sajish Sahadevan is his name. So once upon a time, like we were also trying to like figure out a name for a podcast. You know, we were trying to build something that nothing came out of it, but that's when we came up with this name. So that's what I said meant when I said we. Mm-hmm.
0: Right, right, right. If you had a chance to start a podcast now, do you think you would switch from a newsletter to a podcast?
1: No, not really. Two reasons. One is that there are a lot of good podcasts out there and I don't see why anybody would not listen to You know, First Round is a new podcast called In-Depth. There's Village Global. There's a great podcast called Ground Up. There are a bunch of podcasts, yeah. And I don't see how I would be able to bring anything much more interesting to the table unless it's very topical. For example, I bring somebody whose careers we all love. I mean, that could be something interesting. But I know that my superpower is writing. This is generally how I play, right? So there is something you're good at, right? You concentrate on that. Somebody else will be really good at doing people and like bringing stuff out from there. I listen to them, but I won't do that. Mm-hmm.
0: Right. Fair enough. It sounds about right. So do your readers overlap between the East Coast and the Emo
1: journey? Yeah, quite a few actually. Mm-hmm. Because I think I guess if somebody reads something on marketing by me, I mean, it's not all marketing. Like I try to bring in a lot of other stuff into it once in a while. And so when people think, people enjoy the writing and they want to read something else by me, that's when they come to uh, the school.
0: Mm -hmm. Right, right. So do you have a routine for creating content for both of these? Do you allocate specific time? Do you batch out? What is your routine for creating content?
1: I don't think of it as a routine. I think of it more like a process. When you are doing marketing every day, you are bound to have new ideas, right? My full-time job is marketing. So I wake up and there's stuff that I think about. This is a problem to be solved. My team has this thing. What do we do and so on? So you're automatically going to think about something and these, the strands meet, right? You're also reading stuff. You come up with new ideas. So I usually have like a pocket book, which I have in which I scribble ideas that come together. And then probably like once a month, I sit down and go through what ideas are interesting. But I generally do take extensive notes because you read something, you find it interesting. If you don't take a note there and there, you probably will forget if there's something coming along that you could write about. So you need to take those notes then and there. So I generally do take a lot of notes. The CMO journal actually right now has at least 10 blog post titles ready, you know, newsletter titles ready, which I will get to based on what I'm thinking about at that time. Right. The ECR is not so much the East coast road is very, very, I I mean, I haven't written a lot at all in the last like two, three months. I mean, everybody knows why there's, there's a lot of stuff happening, but, That's more or less creative in the sense it really has to appeal to me. For example, I wrote a piece about colleges, you know, people are not going to uh, college at this uh, this time. And what they were missing was something that really was important to me because I am from a small town. I went to a big university, which changed my life. And I wanted people to understand how big a thing that was. So then that's something that draws you when you have to write about it, then you wrote about it. But the CMO journal has, it has like a plethora of stuff already ready. Because, you know, I'm thinking about it. So, I, I, I have ideas.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. I think we are moving towards the close of the first segment, uh, Sairam. So, this is a question I like to ask all of my guests, which is, what is something that you consider a new sin? Something that nobody should do when running their new setters?
1: Stop for a month. You should not do that. Consistency is the key. And see, it doesn't matter if you... Like, for example, I, I can count on my fingers the really good essays that I've written for the newsletter. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: but I, I have not had even a single month in which I have not written at least four issues. Right. There probably have been months in which I've written almost six or seven, but there has been no month in which I've written less than four. The reason is that your audience is expecting something from you. And if it is something like marketing and you have an idea, right, and you're not able to write it out, that's on you. Consistency is key because there's so much to do. Yeah, there's Netflix. There's there's so much stuff that, that's out there to entertain people and to like take the retention. So if you have the retention, you better give them what you promised them you would. It's the same thing for a brand, right? Because otherwise the brand becomes weaker and otherwise the CMO journal becomes something that they cannot trust to give them the stuff that they thought it would give them. yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. But I mean, if somebody is wanting to listen to you, is signing up to listen to you, you better make it worth your while. So I think it's exactly. along the same lines. Beautiful. Exactly. We are moving on to the next segment of this show, Sairam, which is called The Reading Room. And in this mm-hmm. segment, you will be picking any edition of your choice from both of your newsletters and you will be reading it out for us.
1: Okay. So in the CMO journal, I think I have my favorite sort of essay, which actually started off my marketing writing again after a long time. It's a post about storytelling. And I call it the most important thing you will ever do for your startup. That's what I would read out. Mm
0: -hmm. Go ahead.
1: All right. So in a side street in Old Delhi, outside gate one of the Jama Masjid, stands a hotel called Karim's. It's quite small, but its reputation is astonishing. It has been written about in publications across the world. It shows up all the time on food and travel shows. Its food is celebrated as something not to be missed if you're visiting the Indian capital, and the place is now no less than a landmark, and deservedly so. If you do find yourself there at some point, ask for something called Badam pasanda and get Rumali rotis to scoop up with. it. The curry is mutton, slow cooked in almonds, and every mouthful is a festival, but I digress. A few years ago, when I was in the city, I took the yellow line for lunch at Karim's. Alas, it was closed. I had forgotten it was Ramzan, but I was there. So I went into the neighboring restaurant, Al Javahar, which is another Mughlai establishment, but which is usually visible. Karim's aura makes it that people don't really notice or acknowledge. I only went there because I was so hungry. The food arrived and it surprised me no end. It was even better than Kareem's, if not as good. But, and this was what astonished me. Why were were there no lines to get into this place? Why were even people who were disappointed that Kareem's was closed, not coming to eat here? This was great food and it was right in front of them. What was happening? My first thought was that perhaps I was just a naive South Indian who did not know Mughalai food and was making assumptions about Al Javahar's quality. So I asked the locals. But they confirmed my conclusion, Al jabahar indeed had better food and the locals more often than not preferred to eat there. And what's more, they told me that Al Javahar too, like Karim's, had been set up by laid off cooks to Mughal nobility at the time of the empire's collapse, which meant that both of them were as authentic as could be, with the third or fourth generation of the same family still owning and running these places. Then why, I asked them, was Kareem's more famous? Why were Al Jawhar and similar other restaurants with just amazing food not celebrated with as much fanfare as Kareem's? They shrugged. They did not know why. It took me some time to understand. Because you see, what Kareem's had done and the rest of them had not was very simple. Kareem's had told a story. Oh, wow, <laughs> that
0: was beautiful. That's amazing. I mean, the power of story. You brought it out so beautifully, Byron. Thank you so much for that reading. And when it comes to East Coast Road, which one do you think you want to read out us?
1: Yeah, I would love to read about the Chai one. Mm -hmm. It's June, and a storm has just swept by. Everything about the world now feels surreal. Normalcy is what you crave, and then you wonder what that is. Who really knows anymore? I miss Chai. It's a ridiculous thing you might say and you will be right but for someone whose rhythms of life are dictated by it, normalcy is chai and I miss it a lot. Not tea mind you, not tea, the posh dipped in hot water variety. You can have it all you want. It's a soulless, vapid, foul thing, tainting chai's named worldwide and I want nothing to do with it. What I miss is the proper Indian version. Boiled with milk, ginger, cardamom, or other spices, had with a biscuit or two, down with conversation and snack. The ones which always, always remind you that though life may be tough, the breaks can be delicious. And if you're wondering if I'm one of those annoying, insufferable chai tragics, make no mistake, I absolutely am.
0: <laughs> wow! I mean, as a fellow chai addict, I can say that was very beautifully written. Thank you so much, Saram, uh, for reading that. So thank you. With that, we are going on to the final segment of the show, and this is called the newsletter. Have you ever? The rules are simple. Mm -hmm. I ask you questions. You answer with a simple yes or no, and if you are interested, you can elaborate your answer further. Are you ready to play the newsletter? Have you ever? Sure, sure. All right. This is your first question, Saira. Have you wondered if your life would have been any different if you hadn't started these newsletters?
1: Oh, yes. This newsletter has added a lot of value both to my personal and professional life. Like, yeah, definitely.
0: Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Moving on to the next question, Sarah. Have you been disappointed when an edition that you thought was written really well wasn't received as well as you thought?
1: No, oh, absolutely, all the time. Like, you see, yeah, uh, uh, you write for an audience, you get ready for stuff that you think is good and nobody cares and stuff that you think is nonsense, but everybody's very happy with it. That's yeah. normal. <laughs> yeah. I mean you get you do get disappointed, but after a day, like see, the thing with writing consistently is knowing that there's something good coming anyway. So Right. Amazing.
0: Moving on to the next question. Have you considered changing the names of any one of the new settles? No. Very good. You're very confident with our answer, so I'll just move on to the next one. Have you ever binge read any of your newsletters?
1: Any of my own newsletters? Yes. Uh, no. I've perhaps picked up one and read one at a time, but no. Not not binge read.
0: Alright, this is your final question, Saram. Have you ever committed the said newsletter since?
1: Stop for a month. You should not do that.
0: Have you ever committed that? No,
1: no. I have done that uh, on East Coast Road because, again, it's a slightly creative space and I can take my liberties with it. But with the CMO Journal, never. Like, I have been pretty
0: consistent. Mm -hmm. Amazing. I think with that, we have come to the end of this episode of the newsletter. Not Show. you've done a really good job, Sairam, even with the final segment. First.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Akshay. Thank you so much. Okay,
0: So, people have to find you. Where can they find you, Sairam?
1: Best place is Twitter. At underscore Sairam Krishnan. That's at underscore Sairam Krishnan. S-A-I-R-A-M-K-R-I-S-H-N-A-N. Email me. You can email me at Ram Krishnan. The same spelling at outlook.com.
0: Alright, thank you so much Sairam This was an amazing episode, I had a lot of fun I hope you had a lot of fun as well
1: Yeah, this was good fun, yeah? Thanks, akshya